0: Is the Vinnie White Show on In Depth Radio News Talk Ten Ten?
1: So when I wasn't here over the last couple of weeks, Elliot, obviously you were pining for me. You missed me. You loved me dearly, and you must have been in tears. I but screamed and cried. When you were doing the show, did you say this is the Vinnie White Show, or did you say this is the Pei Chen Show? I'm afraid I just
0: played her liners. So you didn't p- play mine again? Okay, you want you want to hear it again? Yeah, I well, hold. This is the Venny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. And just one more time. This is the Venny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Sorted, okay. So Because that that allows
1: for the two that I missed, you see. Ah, okay, I gotcha. I know it's a little bit too late, but, you know, it's nice to have a go. Um, My name is Venny White. That's Elliot. He's a producer. Um, Head... Like an egg, but don't hold it against him. You I love know, it. He didn't, in many ways, he did win the genetic lottery of life because somehow he's one of those people who, a little bit like, um,
0: who's that actor in Die Hard? Uh, Bruce Willis. L- looks good bald. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. No, actually, yeah, it's my favorite haircut ever. Mm. And it's a hairless haircut. Cheap, isn't
1: it? Oh, quite. So that's the description of him. What's the? Can you describe me, apart from looking a bit tatty?
0: You uh, are a striking British fellow with, uh, with a bright pink shirt on. Now, what you've done, you've said that I'm
1: striking British in a visual description. So do I look British?
0: Well, I, you know what's funny, actually? I think, and I don't know if you're aware of this, I feel like British people have a look, yes. Yeah, usually three teeth and a bit short.
1: Good evening. That's me. Um, So, yeah, all right. I'll take it. Um, It's an hour-long radio show and we talk about um, stuff and things. I'm going to talk briefly about my brother's wedding, where I've been. I was in England for the last couple of weeks. And I'm also going to talk about everybody's favourite source of comedy, the migrant crisis. Um, and we'll see what else we get into as well. Maybe we'll do some election news. I'm sure something's happened in the last couple of weeks since I left. Um, actually, I've got some water here. They've turned the water back on, by the way. It was off all day. If I just went for to the loo, and uh, I like to keep you abreast of the situation. Absolutely disgusting what people had left behind. And uh, nice to nice to flush away the evil parasites that have been left over the day. Uh, nice. I think it was, it was all down to a burst water main outside when I arrived in the building. Uh, there were seven men outside. Um, if you if you do work hard every day, do come down and watch them. They're still out there, actually. Uh, they're smoking, drinking coffee and playing pocket billiards. Uh, if there was an, uh, an Olympic event called shamelessly ripping off your employer to take advantage of long weekend overtime rates, these guys would be on the podium. Let me tell you that. You get a bird's eye view as well from our windows here because we're up a few flights of stairs in the downtown, funky, much music building. So I was looking down at them, um, literally, and in many ways, significantly um, earlier on as I saw them doing nothing and earning much more than me. Um, There's an expression here in Canada, isn't there? I think it's having sex with a dog. It means to do nothing. Thankfully, it's metaphorical. It's not the deep south of America. Um, but uh, those lads were were having a lot of sex with a lot of dogs, if you get my meaning. Uh, So thank you to Amanda Capido who went to get me a bottle of water and some coffee. God bless her, she's good. And she's absolutely wonderful when it comes to all things newsy-poos. And I'll be talking to her later on in this show about the parking ticket shenanigans that you may have heard about. That's a story that's broken this weekend here in Toronto. But first... Um, I hope you missed me dearly and you're beside yourself. You can get involved in this show. Now I'm back uh, at 416-872-1010 or you can text the show on 71010 and uh, we'll get you involved should we feel the need uh, in anything you hear, really. And uh, you can steer this good ship in a more sane direction should you feel it's uh, going off the rails. Can a ship go off the rails? You know, I mix my metaphors, but... You're with me. Um, I was at my brother's wedding. It was a 70s theme. Odd. Um, it was in Brighton, south of England. If you've seen the film Quadrophenia. Uh, I looked a bit like that, but a bit more funky. Um, Quadrophenia is a film shot in Brighton, and uh, it's good. I've, I sort of looked the part. Tweed jacket, brown cords. Collar's so big I could chew them. That's a good idea. I'll patent that. And uh, a kipper tie. Uh... I looked all right. I mean, I looked ridiculous, obviously, but the beauty of looking ridiculous when everyone else looks ridiculous is that you don't look ridiculous. In fact, the only people that did look ridiculous are the people that didn't realise it was a 70s affair and turned up in regular suits. So it was a good laugh and we enjoyed it. Obviously, being that it was in uh, Brighton, I went up to London, it's only about an hour away, and hung out there for a few days uh, while I was there catching up with family and stuff. I went to a place, uh, I went to Chelsea, which is, the. the so think of, what's the Toronto comparison? Probably Yorkdale. You know, hoity-toity, stuffy-stuffy. I can only drop the kids off in a Range Rover because anything less than that would be far too dangerous and not big enough for me, my uh, tiny little body and uh, these tiny little children uh, which have got silver spoons wedged firmly in their mouths. It's like that, really, but it's even more up your ass. you know. Chelsea's very, hello, I'm from Chelsea. I think you'll see from my postcode that even my small little row house costs four million. And Charles and I are having such a jolly nice time in it, we thought we'd dig down, you see. So we're digging basements. So the whole bloody street's been dug up and it's a complete mess. But now the house has jumped from four million to ten million. <laughs> That's the sort of area. Um, and I, I went to a comedy show in a private members club. And I, I remember before we left, I was with my... Shall I mention that I've got a girlfriend? Hoo-hoo! Oh, I'm sorry to disappoint girls, <laughs> but sometimes you've just got to take a back seat. Yep, Vinnie's taken. And uh, I think I'm going to keep this one because I took her to England and we didn't argue. And uh, if you can travel with anyone and not have an argument, um, I mean, obviously we had an argument. It's me. You've heard me. I'm a pompous buffoon of a man, but she's uh, just about level-headed enough to be able to cope with my insolence and idiocy. So I think I'll hang out with her. So I went. I went to this comedy club with her, right? And we looked up online and I was a bit sceptical anyway because a comedy club shouldn't be in Chelsea. It should be a dive, you know, a working man's club full of smoke and people that have had hard lives. Not in Chelsea. But I thought it's free, <laughs> which is another reason it probably wasn't a good idea to go because comedy shouldn't be free, all right? It shouldn't, apart from this show. Uh First text in to say this isn't comedy, gladly appreciated. Yeah. So if you uh, if you ever go to a comedy club in a private members club in um, Chelsea, don't. Because we got there and as we walked in, they gave us a, a um, mojito for free. Uh, it's really tall with stem glass and the guy in a tie. He was like, uh, "Lovely to see you." Here's, here's a mojito. I was like, "All right." He's like, it, it's so unethically diverse and unethical, perhaps. And um, so we went in there and sat, you know, in, in retrospect, we probably should have sat in the front row. The comics were so appalling, they couldn't possibly have got any form of offence out of me. Uh, but we sat at the back, and the comic came on. And the first one was an American. Now, if there's one thing that's frustrating when you arrive in England, it's to go to a comedy club. Uh, on, like, the second night there, and be welcomed by American. Nothing against American comics. Some of them are brilliant. But this one was absolutely crap. And it was a she, and her whole thing was, aren't British people polite? It's a bit, you get all this stuff in Canada, you know the school she said, I've been living here for like 10 years. And I was like, oh, 10 years. These are going to be some wicked comedy observations on my culture and creed that I will take dexterously and wonderfully. I can't wait for you to entertain me. And she's like, you guys apologize a lot, right? Like the other day I was out and like, you guys, you just say sorry, right? I was like walking into the bank and this guy just said sorry because he didn't hold the door open. And I'm sitting there thinking, Right. Oh, this is it. This is the comedy. This is as good as it gets. So it's it's observational comedy in that it's observational without the comedy. OK, let's continue. I'm sure it can only get better. It got worse and worse. And then she had a nervous breakdown, actually, on the stage and decided instead of leaving, because no one had laughed, quite a full room and no one had laughed. Instead of leaving, she would actually turn on the audience and ask us why we weren't laughing, which I would have thought was pretty bloody obvious. And she said, uh, you guys ain't laughing. This is uh, kind of a tough crowd, eh? You guys in Britain, you're kind of kind of awkward, right? If I was doing this set in America, they'd probably be laughing. How come you guys ain't laughing? Not helping yourself. Not not helping yourself. Dying on your feet. And I'd like you to leave. It went on so long, I thought, I think it's time for a heckle. A bit drunk by this point. It was more of a coping mechanism, kind of a drunk, you know, when, you've, when your nails are sunk into your arm and you're applying pressure just to try and get through the next 10 seconds of horrific cringe comedy and I use the word comedy lightly you, you've got to do something about it. Because I think we've all been to a bad band, a bad band. you have a few drinks. I oh, missed a few chords. But it's a band. Bad comedy, I want to die. It's the worst thing in the world. So I was a bit drunk, and I thought it would be a good idea uh, to heckle. Didn't have anything that intelligent to say. So when she died on yet another gag, I just took a big swig on my fizzy drink and did this. (coughs) Absolute cracker. Do you know what? Brought the house down. (laughs) The worst thing is, sometimes I write political satire, and it takes me ages. Nothing's as funny as... (coughs) Yeah. <laughs> she was so intimidated by it, she left. <laughs> I've never managed to burp someone off stage before. Very proud of myself. Anyway, I'm back now. Nice to be here. Weather's great. Uh, crap in England, so well done. Point to Canada on that one. And uh, it's nice to be back. And uh, it's nice to have this radio show back. Do you know what? I missed it. And I miss some of the parts of Canada. You know, some of the things you see. Just today I went into blinds to go and I said, I'd like some blinds for here, please. You know, you can have fun here, can't you? Um, When we come back, because I should do a little break. um, We're going to talk about parking tickets, refugees and does your cat love you? And we're going to try and bring all that together. Not sure how.
0: tuned in to The Vinnie White Show on in Radio, News Talk 1010.
1: The migrant crisis. The migrant crisis. Text in on 71010, or you can call the show 416-872-1010. Unless you've been living under a rock, much like many of the uh, refugees and migrants, in fact, you probably... Uh, are aware that there is a migrant crisis. Now, let's start with this. It's not really a migrant crisis, is it? I don't like that. It's more of a refugee crisis. You could call it a refugee crisis, now with added migrants. It's, it's more of a refugee crisis. We've got four million people now that have left Syria. Uh, Syria, of course, is a country with so much evil, the guy that used chemical weapons on his own people is somehow impossibly... Not as bad as the even worse guys. ISIS. It's like a smorgasbord of douchebaggery, Syria. It's uh, It's like when you're a kid and the kid down the road always boasted about his achievements compared to yours, only he's a murderer and so are you. So it's not really like that. Um, But it has become a refugee crisis. Let's call it what it is. These people, certainly from Syria at least, are absolutely refugees fleeing from a civil war. So far, we've got 438,000 applications for asylum in Europe this year. Uh, Sweden is actually the most popular choice. Sweden, yeah. It's an odd choice. If there's one thing you don't need after a long walk, it's to build your own bed with an Allen key. You know what I mean? Uh, When I say it's the most popular choice, it's the largest number of arrivals for the size of the population in Sweden. In other words, asylum seekers per head of population. So you're right. Yeah, most people are going. I'm sure you're thinking most people are going to Germany. Yes, they are. But Germany has a has a higher population. Uh, Germany, as you may have seen from recent videos, has been wonderfully welcoming and humanitarian to a great deal of the refugees that have walked for days, weeks and sometimes months. So who are these people? I mean, what is going on? What is this refugee crisis? And where are they coming from and what do they want? Well, it's actually reasonably simple. Um, like most things, if you break it down, you can kind of get your teeth into it quite well. We've got 94,000 people that have come from Syria this year, Year um, 32,000 from Afghanistan, 26,000 from Eritrea, where they're escaping like a complete bonkers dictator. And you got 12,000 from Nigeria. You could probably argue the Nigerians are more economic migrants than refugees, really, although arguable because some of them are fleeing from the uh, evil and rather twisted Boko Haram. So a lot of people, and uh, I think what a lot of people forget in the hoopla of this recent coverage is that, okay, yeah, there's many thousands, uh, 438,000 applications for asylum in Europe so far this year, but... That is nothing compared to how many people have got out of Syria and are currently living in Turkey. Two million. Two million people. Uh, Which means, of course, that most people are in Turkey, uh, from the the refugees from Syria. You've also got Lebanon, Jordan, uh, and various other Middle Eastern countries doing some of their part, some absolutely not doing their part in any way. Saudi Arabia, for example, just doesn't seem to know what's going on. It's just popped its head firmly. In the sand, it's got a lot of it. Um, From Turkey, uh, a lot of them get boats to the Greek islands, and I think we heard enough about that this weekend with the appalling images that are heart-wrenching for all of us, Um, but in some ways have gone on to symbolise a massive change. Um, From Turkey, as I say, they get boats to the Greek islands, some, uh, including the island of Kos, and from there thousands are shipped to Athens, um, sometimes by cruise liners su- pro- supplied by the Greek authorities. From Athens, they often go into Hungary. And the reason for that is, of course, once you get into Hungary, you're kind of golden. There's no borders from there. Um, you've, you've done it. And f- so then you can crack on to wherever you want to be. Now, most, um, number-wise, 800,000, in fact, are going to Germany. 800,000 seeking asylum this year. And as I said, most of them welcomed. Rights groups have rounded um, rounded up and, and, and sometimes shamed some of the leaders recently. Uh, for example, the shiny Oxbridge head boy and part-time Prime Minister of my former country, David Cameron, uh, said uh, just, just earlier this week, he, his description was, migrants in Calais are a swarm of people trying to reach Britain. And a lot of people have said using that language, saying a swarm of people, you know, a a prime minister using the terminology, a swarm of people, is actually really dehumanising. And I can get that. I really get that. After returning to the UK from his holiday in Portugal... Um, David Cameron uh, came back from Portugal, by plane, by the way, not uh, inflatable dinghy, last week. Uh, He said he uh, never meant to dehumanise migrants. He said, I was explaining that there was a large number of people crossing the Mediterranean, coming from the Middle East, coming into Europe, and I was trying to explain there was a very large number of people, which is why I said swarm of people. Yeah, it's a bit insecty, isn't it? So meanwhile, other European leaders have also been uh, unfair with their language towards the migrants and refugees by calling them such words as stubborn and difficult. I think you'd be pretty bloody stubborn if you'd walked across half a desert. And I think that you would be difficult to the authorities as well. So I think that politicians in Europe really need to look at their language as well as their behaviour. I hate it when a swarm of stubborn politicians defend themselves for saying things they should have said rather than apologising. Politicians are so difficult and stubborn. But soon the Middle East will be peaceful, my friend. Everything will be OK, my friend. Why? Because there's an Arabic version of Sesame Street coming. Woo! Fixed. Yep. Yeah. Arabic version of Sesame Street is relaunching. The relaunch has been uh, a long time in coming. Uh, negotiations reportedly started in 2010, and it's taken two years to build an educational curriculum focusing on the Arabic language, math, and other subjects uh, suitable for the uh, four- to eight-year-olds that will be watching the uh, Arabic version of Sesame Street. Uh, let me see what it's called here. I may. I, may, I will mess up the pronunciation. Uh, Ifta Ya Sissim. Ifta Yassissim is the Middle Eastern um, Sesame Street. Um, You can watch it on YouTube, Instagram and Facebook pages as well. Children's Television Workshop, which produces the original American uh, Sesame Street, says Iftai Yassissim could reach 45 million viewers across the Middle East. Education chiefs say the most important aspect will be its peaceful, inclusive message, which is lacking in some other children's television programmes in the Middle East. A good start. A start is something, and we hope that it will be grand. Sesame Street relaunches, as I say, uh, across the Middle East. A few changes, though, uh, will be made. Bert and Ernie won't share a bed, although they will keep their uh, very dark facial hair. Uh, Elmo will enjoy tickling, as always, but the cookie monster uh, will become a lover monster. And uh, Big Bird will be played by an American drone. All that's coming up. Um... Meanwhile, what did I miss here? Did I miss anything, Elliot?
0: Ah, uh, jeez. I mean, apparently this the, the Toronto Blue Jays are a popular baseball team at the moment. How about those Blue Jays, eh? The Blue Jays, they, they do one the best.
1: That's the only thing I heard about the election is that they all oh, leave, Yeah, that thing. All three.
0: <laughs> yeah, the election, sorry. <laughs> well, it's, been, it's so early, man. Well, I mean, you can on.
1: actually tie the two together because apparently all three of them have said that they're not going to go to a Blue Jays game. During the election process, because independently, when all three candidates have gone to a Blue Jays game, even during this winning streak, they've lost. Ah. So that's one. The only thing they've agreed on is that they won't go to a Blue Jays game. Interesting.
0: Yeah. We we can agree on this policy decision.
1: You know, you live in a weird country when three leaders agree on one thing, and that is to not go to a baseball game for the benefit of the country.
0: Yeah, because apparently the Blue Jays are holding all our spirits uh, together. Fact. Uh, Canada, if you didn't know, is having an election. Uh, if you're
1: listening to this in the United States, of course, you won't know about this because uh, you have your own expensive clown-filled election. Uh, but us here, America's hat, is having a cheaper, quicker, and altogether more together, uh, but still with lots of backstabbing and lies. Fantastic. You taught us well, America. We love you dearly. Uh, the USA has probably spent uh, more airtime, I would imagine, over the last couple of weeks, looking at the new Google logo instead of what 36 million people that live in igloos and ride moose to work do for an election. Uh, Most Americans think, of course, that the capital of Canada is Quebec, and I think they think that Ottawa is a venereal disease. I, I, I I mean, I just... You know, the one thing that Americans do think about Canada is that they don't think about Canada. I think we flatter ourselves by saying, you know, some of them don't even know where the capital is. They don't know where the country is! Earlier this summer, the Conservatives, uh, with a big C, for charisma. (laughs) Say what you want about Harper. He has got charisma, hasn't he? Woo! When he walks in a... (laughs) Hello? Um, Yeah, the Conservatives uh, earlier this summer, uh, led by... I think we can describe him as as a Dalek with a hairdo. Uh made attack ads against the Liberals. Liberals with a big L for love and peace to the world, man. This stuff's legal. Oh, actually that'd be better. Yeah. Liberal with a big L for legal cannabis. Um the whole attack ad, you probably remember this. I think it's is it still airing? It's the you know the one I mean where he's applying for a job. Oh yeah yeah. It's really weird. If you haven't seen it, it's 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 one of the oddest ads. It's an attack ad against liberals, made and paid for by the Conservatives. You! Congratulations. Um, the ad portrays Justin Trudeau as if he was applying for a job of prime minister and a panel of reviewers critiquing his inability. A concept so stupid that it must have been dreamt up by a PR company with a coffee machine that gives you brain damage. I mean, it is Absolutely, remarkably stupid. And to add insult to injury, it's acted by the four actors that are still in Canada that haven't decided to move to the States to actually make some money. So, of course, they're crap. Uh, So it's badly acted. It's conceptually bizarre and is possibly one of the worst adverts I've ever seen in the history of elections. Uh, But time then, I would say, to turn the tables. Wouldn't it be good if the Liberals were to get their own back?
0: Wow. Some interesting resumes we have here. Let's talk about Stephen.
2: I see he's included his picture. Let's start with the experience section. Nowhere does he claim not to be a robot or that he's an actual human being. Didn't he shake hands with his little kids on their first day of school? And what does the experience section say about keeping us safe? Well, he wants to monitor more of our phone calls and emails.
1: Like that'll stop ISIS?
2: He's such an economist. Pet theories on everything, but blind to real people in the real world. So what are his policies? Basically,
0: anything that favors the oil industry. Robots need oil. Stephen Harper. He's a goddamn robot.
1: Oh, we love it. We do. Do you know I once met Stephen Harper? It was a long time ago. It was one of the most embarrassing moments in my life. I thought it was a good idea. It was at his his party in his backyard. And I thought it was a good idea to... um, It wasn't a good idea. I thought it was a good idea to meet him. But I had a a pint in my hand, as I mostly do. And... uh, when I went to go and meet him and do the handshake, I suddenly realised that I probably shouldn't have a pint because it makes it awkward. So, yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking, oh, no, I can't, I can't do this. So I thought I'll put the pint in a, in a flower bed. And, I, and then I started putting it down. I thought, oh, this is weird. Who puts a pint in a flower bed? So I decided I'd put it back in my inside pocket of my jacket, like a proper suit jacket. And then I thought that's a ridiculous idea. So I started walking over to him, and he offered me his hand. And then I, I thought this might fall out, so I went to go and pull it out of my inside pocket. And his security guard thought I was about to shoot him, so <laughs> so they stood in front of him. <laughs> and I was I was like, oh, it's just I know it's a bit weird, but I've got, I've got a pint in my pocket. And as I said earlier, Harper charisma. So he certainly took that as a joke. He did, he didn't get it, and he was actually quite scared. Yeah. Great pianist. Is it pianist? Yeah, I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Yeah. It's close, isn't it? Because it sounds. It's very close, isn't it? With my accent. (laughs) So if I ever do say Harper's an absolute penis, then then do make sure that I'm actually saying he's great with an instrument. When we come back, we talk about more stuff and things, including the (laughs) parking ticket phenomena that is Toronto. Brilliant. I love this. Got a parking ticket today? Don't worry about it, old buddy. You know what you should do? Just say that you're going to launch a complaint and then wait for the court date. Ten years later, it's not come up. Hey, you're off the hook, big man. Keep on trucking. This is a public service announcement.
0: You're tuned in to The Vinnie White Show on in Radio, News Talk 1010.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you are. Nice text so far on 71010. Uh, Vinny, we missed you. Although, you know, you, you can't see the sarcasm, can you? I always think you should just be err on the side of caution and presume everyone's being sarcastic about everything all the time. That way you don't get hurt. Uh, it makes life a bit funnier as well. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, a Saudi. I don't know if this is true. I'm going to read it out just on the off chance that it is. I should research this. If it's true, then it's. Disgusting. A Saudi multi-billionaire asked Greece to to sell him one of their islands, so he could offer it up as a place for refugees, and he was going to pay for the cost of building infrastructure, homes, etc. He figures the mass building required would make instant employment for people. Greece, who are broke, said no. I think there's probably more to that story. I mean, did he include a link? (laughs)
0: <laughs> a source perhaps <laughs> I work in journalism so.
1: yeah a source said anyone that says a source by the way it means uh, me in my mind just then
0: isn't it there's a lot of like my relatives for example yeah they'll think of uh, solutions and be like where'd you get there like I don't know I just thought of it
1: yeah I like it when people make a point that's got absolutely no backing whatsoever and then go just is isn't it not really no I despair. Um you know what happened to me this week? I've going to use this as a platform to set the record straight because something weird happened. I can also promote my company whilst telling you this story. Kuching. I run a company called Hey Elliot, what's
0: it called? Uh I can't remember. Can you re- refresh my memory?
1: <laughs> Is it Mr. Photocanvas.com?
0: Sorry, yeah, mrphotocanvas.com, yes. Yeah, that's the one.
1: Cheers, mate. Um, I'll get you a coffee later. I never do. No, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me sound good to the listeners. Can't stand the guy. Bald as a coot. Um, But yeah, I, I had a customer come in, right, and he wanted a, a very particular picture um, of Toronto as a, a skyline shot that he had in mind, and he said he'd seen it on the internet. So he got me looking for it for ages. But I should mention, I blow up prints on canvas. That's what we do. I forgot. That's a great ad, wasn't it? <laughs> Here's some other company names with no reference. Um, yeah, so I, I, that's what I do. It's, it's a living. Listen, I look at some very unattractive people. Um, I have a mirror. And so I, I, I did this job. right. I was sort of started helping him looking at images online. And then about 10 minutes in, I thought, oh, I'm wasting my time. here. I can't find it. I don't know what he wants. So I said, look, here's a laptop. Sit there next to me and just scroll away and do your thing, right? And when you find it, let me know. And maybe, you know, if it's copyright free, because I ain't no criminal, then I'll uh, blow it up on canvas, right? And uh, so he goes, all right. So he starts looking. Then this absolute drop-dead, stunner, hubba-hubba-ding-dong, gorgeous girl with a little cheeky summer dress came in and heels. You know what that does to us. Um, middle of the day heels hubba hubba I live in King West it's just a fact of life I haven't seen a real boob for about 10 years and um, so she comes in right and as I'm walk, as she's walking up to the door I said blimey have a look at this because I've got like a male bond with this guy you know testosterone we're like dogs right you me yeah plus you're going to give me some business so I'm going to be nice to you so she walks in and she wanted a very simple easy job but she said she did she said she was gonna come back, so I haven't got her contact details, right? And so that's why I wanna set the record straight now in case she's listening, right? She walked out and said, I'll be back in a couple of days. Thanks for giving me a rundown on your business. Looks great, great canvases, and what a great price, she said. She was a voiceover artist. And so she she buggered off. And so I, I said to that guy, I was like, Of oh, course, she was a bit of all right, wasn't she? He said, I've never seen anyone so beautiful. He just broke down. It was amazing. I thought I was a perv. He took it to a new level. He goes, she was just perfect. I have to go after her. And I went, you go, my friend. You go, whoever you are that I don't know. You get out into the street and you chase her. And you take her down like a wounded gazelle within the boundaries of the law. And uh, so off he went, running after her. And I thought, I've got to see this. So I ran out and... um, Witnessed uh, possibly the most embarrassing thing since that comedy act, um, because he said, "Hey, I just I saw you in there. I don't know if you n- uh, noticed me, but I was I was on the laptop, and um, so I just thought I'd t- say hi." And she went, "Oh, hi." Okay, okay. and carried on walking, and he just f- fell apart. It was just a mess of a man, and he like. He told me later that he accidentally spat on her as he was talking. Now, if there's one thing women like, other than being relentlessly chatted up when they're just trying to get on with the day, it's being spat in the face. So weirdly, she carried on walking. Worst thing is, right, as she was walking off, she said, I find it a bit weird for you people to do this. And I thought, oh, that's weird. I now know she thinks he works for me, doesn't she? He was on a laptop in my office. So when she said you people, she thought, oh, Mr. Photo Canvas has a policy of running after women in the street, which we don't do that. We just print canvases. okay? so sorry, lady, for that. I don't know him. And the worst thing is he couldn't find the image, walked out, didn't order anything. So he's lost me a customer. I bet I've got a review on Yelp. Great canvases, perverts for staff. You know what I mean? I don't need that. So that's us that straight. Right, let's talk. Ladies and gentlemen, Amanda Capido. Hello. So if you don't know Amanda Capido, then <laughs> where have you been, Captain Lost Touch with reality? <laughs> uh, she's the news guru, the news junkie, the woman with all the facts. And there's something I wanted to talk to you about today. I wonder if you can help me out. Yes. Uh, can you uh, can you explain what's going on with these parking tickets or lack of parking tickets?
2: Right. So this has to be the biggest story of the day, maybe of the weekend. Mm. Um, the city of Toronto has withdrawn 880 thousand parking tickets that were issued between 2002 and 2014, mm. valued at approximately twenty million dollars. So sounds like a little bit of a money loss for the city and if you just look at it from the from the surface you would think that someone's just being lazy (laughs) but it actually was a bit of a it was a bit of a mix-up and it's a very financially sound decision it seems because I spoke to the city spokesperson Jackie D'Souza and she explained that a lot of these tickets people or all of these tickets people had wanted a court date since you're you're uh, you're bound to, if you request a court date to fight your ticket, you are you're allowed to do that. These people have been waiting for years, some of them more than a decade, to get their court date. And because parking tickets are just low on the list of priorities, they keep getting bumped. And so if- Mrs.
1: Miggins, who got a ticket in 2005, might be sitting there thinking, I will not pay that any second now. Yes. I'm going to get my chance to say that I wasn't <laughs> parked in front of a hydrant. Yeah. Uh, but... I've almost forgotten where I was parked and I might not even live here. I might be dead, actually, by now. (laughs) So, obviously, it was going to have to chuck it out in, in the sense that it would be hard to process them financially. But also, isn't there a legal restriction? You can't go to court 10 years after the fact, can you?
2: Right. So, you technically could, but they could argue that it's against the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms because they say that you must have a court date within a, quote, reasonable amount of time.
1: Quote, reasonable amount of time. Any judge would probably think that would be less than a year, wouldn't they?
2: Right. 16 months, I think they're saying, is the maximum. <laughs> yeah. So anyone that was wanting a court date, if they'd been waiting more than two years, mm. they're essentially, they were they were, they were cut off, they got off scot-free. And now apparently, though, this is saving the city money because to process all of these, it would have cost $23 million. Oh, Because of the backlog of the system and then also if they were this was even if they won, they might even lose some of these because of this. Oh for sure. Right. Well a lot of them
1: are contesting them because they were wrong. Exactly. I know I've had one. I had a guy give me a parking ticket and I wasn't allowed to park in that street after ten. It was nine fifty-two and he had adjusted his clock on his Wii device to say ten ten. And he gave me a ticket. I got there at nine fifty two and it said, Oh, you were here at ten ten. It's not even ten ten.
2: What? That's nuts. I know. See, I always feel like there are these rare occasions where you, you get screwed over.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, it's ridiculous because any civilized system would have a online form that you could do because they're so clever and stupid at the same time, Toronto. Wait,
2: so you can pay your parking tickets online.
1: You can pay them online, oh, yeah, but you, but can't, you can't contest them. them. You can't yeah. launch the content. Yeah,
2: that's the whole thing. They do it on purpose because it is part of the system. Yes,
1: and some of those tickets are $30. Now, once you've paid your $3 to trundle down on a... a Bumper car attached to some cables to City Hall to fight it, and your three dollars to trundle back again, and the hour that you've inevitably lost. That means you're you're fighting, yeah, an hour and a bit for the sake of what will now be (laughs) twenty. $24 $24 left after you two, lots of $3. I've thought about it. It's in far <laughs> too much debt. And if you get in a cab there, forget it.
2: Well, a lot of people just fight them for the sake of it, for this exact reason. They want to stick it to the system. And why and wouldn't you?
1: When you know now, there's, if you're fighting one now, how do we know that in 10 years' time, those people still haven't got their court date, so they will get dumped as well? You might as well just fight all of them.
2: But you know what? I think people who are going to fight them are going to fight them nonetheless, because they mm. have this. For me, I'm never, I'm never going to take a day off work to go show up in court. I'm going to have to take a half a day off work. I always do the math in my head, right? Is it worth me taking a half a day off work yeah. to go do this? No. No. I'm going to lose more money.
1: I did it once. And not only is it financially ineffective, it's also one of the most depressing things a human can do. Yeah. It's a gray room full of extraordinarily <laughs> unhappy people. Yeah. Shouting at very simple uh, lost souls on the other side of a glass window. Yeah. It's bleak to say the best.
2: I fought a red light ticket. And I felt like that was worth it because the red light tickets are 200, 300 300 bucks. Did you win? I got it lessened. I got it lowered. Yeah. Mm. And then I did the calculation, though. Is it worth me taking some time off work to go show up here, given how much I might get it knocked down to? And it was worth it for me.
1: Elliot, cue the track, Fight the Power, because that's what we've learned today. (laughs) (laughs) The best thing I ever did, I got arrested over, a, well, sort of arrested over a parking ticket, but... Not for what you would expect.
2: What did, what?
1: It was a bad joke that went very wrong.
2: To a parking attendant?
1: No, it's worse than that. What um, did you do? You know I'm a graphic designer. Right. When I'm not talking this sensible radio lark. I um. It was many years ago, and I have a very straight and boring friend, and I decided I got, I got a parking ticket for something. I scanned it and then airbrushed out all of the, the writing. Oh my goodness. Reprinted it wrote on it you were parked illegally on a corner hazardlessly and then slapped it on front of his car outside his house which was parked perfectly legally and i thought oh that's quite funny i'm quite hilarious and i just got on with my life (laughs) what i didn't know is he lived with his parents at the time and he gave it to his dad and his dad was so infuriated he went to the police oh my goodness the police said this isn't our parking ticket although it was so good a forgery, they didn't realise it was a forgery. Oh, my god! So they said, don't worry about it. And he said, no, I will worry about it. My son got a ticket. And if you don't even know who organised this, then I will launch a complaint. So he launched a complaint against the police. Oh, my god! I heard about this and went, hey, it was a joke. Isn't it funny? And they said, no, that's not funny. You made your bed, you lie in it. If the police find out it's you, and they might, um, then not only will you be done for fraud, but you'll be fired from your job because you use their work colour photocopiers.
0: Uh-oh. And I
1: said, that's very good. Please don't tell the police. And he uh, he played me at my own game. He lied to me and said that he was going to tell the police, but only to trouble me and worry me to get me back for doing it to his son.
2: And then they never found out?
1: No. All water around the bridge now. Until I brought it up on my radio.
2: Oh, this was in the city of Toronto?
1: No, thankfully not. Okay. No is in another city which I won't mention just in case it's still Hello. being processed. actually it's alright if it's going through court it will never come up anyway it doesn't really matter so the, what the moral of the story is fight the power don't listen to the masses uh, stand up for your rights and party and uh, screw the man is, I
0: that, is that I don't know I
2: don't
1: that's it might not exactly be that's what I heard in my brain okay <laughs> Amanda said that here today right. so I hope you wrote written that down <laughs> thanks for coming in Amanda Capido.
2: You're very welcome. Anarchist. Mm. rebel.
0: You're tuned in to the Vinnie White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010.
1: Discarded celebrity waxworks given a new life at Bible Walk Museum in Ohio. Yeah, this week, uh, the wax models at the Bible Walk Museum in Mansfield, Ohio, America. Um, Got a bit of an upgrade. They've got a load of new ones. It was actually founded in 1983 and has prided itself on being cheap by recycling waxworks from other wax museums and putting them into religious scenarios. It's a very bizarre biblical museum made of, well, I suppose, discarded waxworks of every celebrity across the globe. Um, At the the moment, Prince Charles is the star attraction. Uh, Apparently it gets 40,000 visitors a year. Um, he's he's been transformed into Abel, the son of Adam and Eve, complete with a, a pudding bowl haircut. I think the best scene, though, is uh, Tom Cruise as Jesus, Steve McQueen as a disciple, and in the same scene, John Travolta is King Solomon, and George Harrison is fitting a shoe on a horse. I never thought I'd see it. I have. I can't unsee it. I liked it. It's in the UK last week, and uh, here's some news from there. Emergency police cars given to civilian staff. Yeah, emergency police cars have been given to civilian staff. Regular old you and me's, not the old copper doodle doos in the UK. Seven police forces in England have uh, given company cars with blue lights and sirens to civilian staff not trained to use them, uh, the BBC has learned. Finance. What's going on with the music? Oi! Show's ending. Oh, you're having a bubble bath, aren't you? i just I'm get having into a this? bath. <sighs> I was going to say I'd like a police car for myself.
0: I want a police car.
1: You know what I'd do with a police car? I would ram-raid everyone out of the way on every blocked intersection in Toronto, particularly Spadina and King. If you don't think you can make it, don't try it. Hmm? You people disgust me, but by God, I love you. And I'll be back next week uh, with more of this riffraff. Um, and it's all its beautiful radio technicolour. Next up, more quality here on News Talk 1010. Have yourself a lovely week. today.